Um, and for pretty much the rest of my life, I've just wanted to tell people about Jesus. And I work for an organisation called Youth for Christ. Okay. Is that so, right? That's yeah, sure so enough. what, Good. how did you, you know, you grew up in, you lived in Norfolk for a while, didn't you? <laughs> I we lived, won't hold that against no, her. I lived um, in a tiny village. That's in the newsletter as well. Um, um, she's not going to let me lead jokes on this. Um, um, no, it's um, Suffolk, not Norfolk. Okay, it's a big Suffolk, difference. There is a big difference. Although it's quite close to Great Yarmouth. Although they do all talk about... But, 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 uh, are you right, boy? Yeah, I need to let you know something. What? You talk like that. I know. Um, <laughs> um, so Thea moved here about 18 months ago. Why, why did you move here? Short story, God told me to move to Northampton. Again, it's in my newsletter. Um, I didn't, never been to Northampton before, um, but I moved here because A, God told me to, and it fitted well with work, which is also in my newsletter. Or talk to me. Okay, I think everyone knows you now. So, um, she's defiant, she doesn't listen to what you say. Um, but we've got a little video before she speaks, so over to you. Why do we do what we do? Because we believe in Jesus. The game changer. Heaven, hell exchanger. Life rearranger. And we believe in young people. Breaking voices, difficult choices. Make up, break up. Impossible to wake up. Full of passion. Ever changing fashion. And we believe that together, Jesus and young people can be spectacular. So we will dress up like plonkers. Play games that are bonkers. We drink blended meals. Get muddy in fields. Make gospel appeals. We've mastered our side hugs. Now our list of street drugs. Made mistakes. Listened to heartaches. Done whatever it takes. But it is hard. We feel hard pressed on every side. But we're not crushed. Though the pizza is burned. Consent forms not returned. Coffee jar empty. Struggles are plenty. We will keep going. We will not give up. We can do this together. 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 There may come a day when the church gives up on reaching young people. But it is not today. Because we believe in Jesus. Because we believe in Jesus. Because we believe in Jesus. And we believe in young people. And we believe that together they can be spectacular. That's why... moving this I don't like barriers very much sorry I hate it when you go to the bank and there's like a big glass thing I like banks where there's no barriers because it's a bit weird isn't it like ooh, stay away from me and um, so be- quickly before I actually do share the word a couple of things about me and about YFC um, I would love to get to know you if I don't already know you. And you can ask me questions about YFC. I don't have enough time to talk to you about that aspect of my life, which is a big aspect of it. But that video sums up why I do what I do. And I've seen that video so many times, but it gets me really excited because I believe in Jesus and I do believe in young people and that they can be spectacular. And um, There's research uh, that shows that 70 
75 to 80% of people who follow Jesus give their lives to Jesus before their 20th birthday. 80, 75, 80%. Is that how much we budget in our church you know, finance for young people and children's work, is that the amount of time and energy that we give to them? Young people get such bad press, but young people have potential. And uh, I've been involved in youth work for a while. I don't do youth work so much now. I actually visit lots of our centres all across the country. And I talk to them about evangelism and I talk to them about young people and I encourage them and I say, how are you going to reach the young people in your town, in your village, in your city? And I ask lots of difficult questions and encouraging questions as well. And one of the things I come up against time and time again is people say, oh, but I'm not cool, I'm not hip enough, I'm not young enough to engage with young people. But that is the biggest lie ever. Because young people today need people who can be good role models, who can be the equivalent of a cool sister or a slightly cool older brother. But they also need role models who are good parents and good grandparents. Some of the best people I have ever worked with were people like Ruth and Beryl, who used to come and help me run my tea and toast project. They were at least late 60s, if not early 70s, and the young people loved them. And they did not have anything in common with them. They didn't listen to the same music, they didn't wear the same clothes, but they were there. And that is what people, young people, children, teenagers need is someone that's there. But if you want to talk to me more about um, young people and evangelism, please come and see me after the service or any service when I'm here. That's why sometimes I'm not here because I'm out and about with YFC. Um, I've also got a few bits of bump on the desk over there. There's a um, a newspaper for, about YFC generally, Youth for Christ, and my own. And if you want to pray for me, uh, you want to encourage me, then sign up and get my newsletter. That's that's that done. Okay, let's get on to the good stuff. Okay, so, thanks Pete. So, I was thinking about what I should talk to you about today, and I decided to talk to you about this. Not the horrendous programme that I watched a while ago. Worst <laughs> series ever. Let's make a let's make a TV series about people who just get stranded on an island. So, if it's Oliver McQu- Oliver Queen, that's different. That's very good. So, lost. When you see the word lost, I wonder what do you think? Have you lost anything recently? Have you lost your mobile phone? Have you lost your keys? Do you lose the odd sock? Weird. Not two, but just one. There was a time when I kept losing my left glove. I had three pairs of gloves and I lost the left one. And so I had three white ones and it just doesn't work. Um, Or do you misplace them? Or do you actually, you can't see them? I do wear glasses occasionally and I lose them and then I realise they're actually on my head. Um, It's a weird thing at being lost. But a few times I have got lost. So... A while ago, in my job, I travel a lot, and I was driving, and uh, I cannot do my job without my sat-nav. Thanks, Pete. Um, And I was up in the northeast, trying to get to somewhere I think was called Driftfield, or Driftfield, or or something like that. 
And I'd put the postcode in and I was tootling along. And suddenly my sat-nav decided that I wasn't on the road, but that I was in a field. And literally the sat-nav, it had this long road and it took my car and just put it in a field. And I was like, what's going on? I'm, I don't know where I am. And I don't go to that part of the country very often. And I'd been somewhere the previous night and I'd stayed in some random bed and breakfast. And I literally had no idea. I didn't know whether I was traveling north or south or east or west. And I thought, I think I need to get to somewhere near York, but I'm not 100% sure. And I actually got a little bit panicked because I thought, I don't actually know what I, what I should do. I know what I'll do. I'll pull over and I'll turn it on and I'll turn it back off and on because that always works, but it didn't work. Um, and then I just thought, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, I'll just have to keep going. And please, Jesus, let me find a person. Was there any people? No, because it was really in the middle of nowhere. And then eventually I found a petrol station. And by then, I was actually quite stressed. I'm not going to lie. I was quite panicked. And I was like, "Um, hi, where am I? (laughs) I I need to get here. I don't know where I am. And uh, I didn't do that. I actually went in and was like, where's the uh, paper atlas? And I just tried to be really cool. And I was like, they'll have one. It's a petrol station. And I was like, looking as if I might buy it. Okay, right. I know where I am now. And uh, then just walked out, didn't buy anything. And then my sat-nav decided to work again. But I learned two things that day. One, that my sat-nav is not always to be trusted. Two, I should buy a paper map and have that in my car at all times. And three, I got a little bit nerdy. I needed some basic uh, survival skills. So I turned to one of my heroes, Bear Grylls. <laughs> and, uh, and I learned a lesson that if you don't know where you are, that's stressful. But if you can at least work out which way you should be going, i.e. north, south, east or west, that's a really good starting point. So now I know that if it's 12 o'clock, the sun is right in the top of the sky. And if it's that way, it's like the east or the west. So now I have some basic survival skills about the east and the west. So that was an example where, where I got lost. And in that situation, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't decided I want to get lost. I had even prepared, so I thought, but somehow I still ended up getting lost. But thank God, praise Jesus, it all worked out in the end. And I'm sure there are stories like that that you have had, or more traumatic stories. But actually, there's loads and loads of stories in the Bible about being lost. Thanks, Peter. Probably the most famous stories are in the Gospel of Luke. And if you've got your Bible, I've got a huge Bible because it's meaty and it makes me look really, really spiritual. Um, Then you might want to look at Luke chapter 15. Jesus is amazing, isn't he? He tells us some weird stuff as well that we can't always get our head around. But sometimes Jesus says something that makes you go, wow. And this year we've got so many great things in store as church. Up, in and out, getting closer to God, getting out there. But actually, I wanted to share something that's really basic and really simple today. Because when I was praying this week and thinking about it, I thought, this, is, this might sound a bit depressing. This might be the only chance I ever get to speak at this church. I didn't quite go down that line of I might get hit over by a bus because that's not really the kind of thing you want to dwell on too much. 
But I did think this. If I'm only going to have an hour and a half on Sunday to speak, (laughs) what do I want to say? And then I thought, no, it's not what I want to say. It's what you want to say. And actually, what is the most important thing that we need to hear? So I hope that the message that I share with you today encourages you slash challenges you a little bit. So if you've got your Bible, whether it's paper or not, you might want to look at some of these uh, stories that we're looking at today. And I encourage you at some point to go back to this because there's so much and I don't have enough time to go into all the detail. But when I was growing up, as you can read in my newsletter, I did go to church And I had some amazing Sunday school teachers. And can I just say, let's make sure we keep encouraging our Sunday school and youth workers because it's flipping hard work. And it means that you often miss out on being fed on a Sunday. But one of my Sunday school teachers used to say to me, Thea, if it says in the Bible, what is it there for? It means it's there for a reason. And if it's in there once, it's really important. If it's in there twice, it's really important. But in Luke's gospel, in chapter 15, we read it three times. I want you to think about that. Three times Jesus tells a story about something that was lost. So I'm thinking maybe this is quite an important thing for us to look at. And when you look at the very first verse in this chapter, it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And we have to know the context of the story. So here, Jesus isn't just with sinners He's also with the religious people of the day. So this thing that Jesus talks about three times, he's saying to sinners, to people who don't follow him, but he's also saying it to the religious people of the day. So then again, maybe this is quite important. So we don't have time to go into massive detail, so we're going we're gonna to whiz through them. But the first story, the story of the lost sheep. There are a hundred sheep. One of the little sheep, bless them, kind of wanders off. That's it. And uh, the shepherd doesn't go, oh, well, it's only one. I've still got 99. He goes and he finds his sheep. And we read in the, in the story that he finds the sheep and he's really excited and he has a party. I'm like, really? It's just a sheep. But anyway, that's because I'm not a shepherd. I'm not a farmer. So I don't really get that excited about sheep. But, you know, in this context, that sheep was really valuable and important to the shepherd. And then the second parable, thanks Pete, is the parable of the lost coin. Here we have a woman who has these 10 coins and she loses one. And she's in a bit of a panic and she's like, where is this coin? Where is this coin? Where am I going to find it? She searches, she sweeps her house and she finds the coin and she celebrates. And then lastly, it's the parable, the story of the lost son. And the son, in this story, as we know, wanders off, makes some interesting lifestyle choices, leaves his family, and is lost. And it's that remarkable verse that we read, where it, at the end of that parable, where, where it says, he was lost, but now he's found. I want to pick up a couple of things uh, in these stories. If you could turn to the next thing, and I'm going to get some water. Thank you. It's dry. 
Oh, hello. <laughs> How are we all doing? Doing all right? Fab. So, remember this thing that I said, that there are three stories all about something that's lost. I also think that there's three things that we can learn from all three stories. So it's all about threes today. In each of these stories that Jesus tells, there's three things. One, the first thing, something of great value is lost. So if you can go on to the next slide. Now, this might not be of great value to some people in the room, but to a little girl or a little boy, it probably is of great value. So in those three stories, in the first story, the sheep is of great value. The sheep represents the shepherd's livelihood. The money, that's his, his business. It's of great value. Not emotionally. He's not emotionally like, oh, my sheep. But it represents his business, his livelihood. In the second story, the coin isn't because the woman is obsessed with money. Those coins were linked to the Jewish uh, kind of wedding celebration. So when a woman was married, she would have these 10 silver coins as part of her headdress. And that's almost like a really significant thing because her father would give her that money. And in that culture, women were not highly thought of. Women were not thought of as they are today. That woman wouldn't have had land or any possessions, but she would have had these 10 silver coins. And so for her, there was something really special and precious about it. It wasn't like when we lose a 10p or a 50p or a two pound coin down the back of the sofa. It wasn't that. It was something much bigger. It represented something significant. It was of great value. And in the third story, the son is of great value. The son is of great value to the father in that story. So in these three stories, the first thing that we see in all of them is that there is something of great value that is lost. The second thing, it warrants a search. In the first story... The, the shepherd, he goes and he looks for this sheep. And in the second story, the woman, she sweeps her house. You know, it wouldn't have been like one of our houses. It wouldn't have had nice floors or carpets. It was probably dirt. Much harder to find that lost coin. But she searched and searched until she found it. Now, in the third story, it's not such an obvious search. But when you look at that story and you look at the story and you look at the father. My challenge would be, how did the father know that the son was coming back? He's, he didn't text his dad. Because he'd wasted all his money and, you know, got rid of his mobile phone. He couldn't send a carrier pigeon. I don't think they were even invented by then. But, but somehow the father knew that his son was coming back. Because the father saw him from a distance and ran towards him. I think, this is just my take, that the father loved that son and it broke his heart when he left. But he waited and he looked every day and he knew that that was his son. And that's why he ran. So although he didn't search in the same way as the first two parables, he was there waiting. The third thing is there's a great celebration When the shepherd finds the sheep, there's a great celebration. When the lady finds that coin, there's a great celebration. 
when the son returns, there's a great celebration. So in our three parables, there's something of great value that's lost that warrants an all-out search. And when that thing that was lost is found, there's a huge celebration. And remember who Jesus is speaking to when he's telling these stories. And try and imagine what they are hearing and the context that it's written. So in that group of people, there were religious, spiritual people. There were people who knew all of the Jewish you know, laws and the spirituality of the day. And then there were people who the Bible calls sinners and tax collectors, who may well have had some kind of spiritual knowledge, may have known stuff about the Jewish history, but they felt very different to the spiritual good religious people. And Jesus is saying to them, something's lost, something of great value is lost, something warrants a search, an all-out search, and there's great celebration. I wonder whether the religious people of the day, when Jesus started to talk about the shepherd and the sheep, were like, oh, he's talking about sheep and shepherds. Doesn't, it's not relative. Doesn't, we don't engage with that because we're much better. That's a menial task if you're a shepherd. It's not a very important job. So I wonder whether those religious people switched off slightly when Jesus first told the first parable. And then, do you know what Jesus did? He talked about a woman. If they hadn't switched off when he was talking about a menial shepherd, they definitely would have switched off when he talked about a woman. Because Jewish men would wake up and say, Father in heaven, I thank you that I'm not a woman today. Women were not just second-class citizens. They weren't even citizens. But maybe those first couple of stories, the sinners and the tax collectors, maybe they were like, what's he saying? And then I wonder what, the Jewish teachers of the law thought when Jesus told the third parable. Because numbers are a massive thing as well in Judaism. You get seven of this and three of that and all sorts of things. And I wonder whether their ears pricked up because they would get the father-son relationship. They would get the inheritance. They would be appalled as we are when someone says, Dad, you know when you die, I want, I'm going to get like your house and, you know get my inheritance. Well, I just thought might as well have it now. <laughs> and the father doesn't go like my dad would. I'm not even uh, no. <laughs> he says yes. And maybe that story, and there's lots we could go into and we don't have time. Maybe that's where they started to listen. So Interesting, isn't it, that in Christianity, we believe in the Trinity. And there's three people in the Trinity. So I was thinking, and it wasn't me because I heard someone else talk about it, but I've looked at this passage a lot. Maybe what Jesus wanted us to learn was something really, really, really important. That something was lost of great value, that something warranted an all-out search, And when that lost thing was found, there was great celebration. So Jesus is walking around. He's all, he's, he's, he knows what's going on. And he tells a story about a shepherd. And I wonder, I wonder if there's any other shepherds mentioned in the Bible. Maybe he's saying the good shepherd 
like he says, I am the shepherd. So maybe the first parable we need to think, ah, oh, the first parable is, is talking about Jesus the son. And the last parable is about a father. Don't we have a God who's our father? Well, that's the son and the father taken care of. What about the Holy Spirit? One of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives is, is reveals things to us. The Holy Spirit, he lives in us. He helps us to grow in our faith. Maybe the Holy Spirit is represented in what happens in that lady's story where she sweeps and she looks. And that those things in her life are revealed like the Holy Spirit does in us. Maybe. So maybe what God wants to say to us today is Jesus the Son loves you and thinks you are of great value and therefore you warranted an all-out search. And that's why Jesus came to die, so that we could be friends with God. And that when we turn back to him or we turn to him, because some of us wander off a little bit and some of us have never really walked that close to start with, there's great celebration. Maybe God wants us to know that the Holy Spirit, he loves us and thinks we're of great value and we warrant a search and that when we're found, there's great celebration. And maybe God the Father wants us to know that God the Father loves us and it warrants an all-out search and that there's huge celebration when we come back to him. If you could put the next slide up, Pete. So today I want to challenge and encourage you to think about a few things. I wonder, do you feel today a bit lost? Do you feel a bit confused? Do you feel unsure? And I think there's a couple of people that God wants to speak to. I'm gonna, there's a few more things we're going to do, but then we're going to pray. Maybe you feel lost because actually you're saying, God, I really want some direction in my life when I was praying. I felt that there were some people who felt like that, that, that they felt like their walk with God was okay, but they really, really want God to speak to them about what they should be doing, about direction and about guidance. And this church is family. And this is where we can pray for one another. And this is where we can be real. You don't have to be real with everyone because some of us are more strange than others. You have to find someone who you feel you can trust. But if you can't get someone here to pray for you, then find someone that can. But if you feel you feel lost because you're seeking direction and guidance, I think God wants to speak to you today and encourage you to get prayer later. But I think some of you are more lost emotionally and spiritually. And what God wants you to hear today is, you are of great value. The Son of God says you are of great value. The Holy Spirit, he says you are of great value. The Father says you are of great value. And when you don't believe it, it's still true. And so you feel lost because you feel worthless and you don't feel as if it makes sense. 
And some of you maybe feel a little bit like I did in that story that I told about me getting lost at the beginning. You're a bit more like the older brother that we haven't had a chance to look at today. You've served in church. You've been in church in Christianity a long time. And you think, where's that passion that I had? Where's that connection that I had with God? I look around and and it's great when I hear these amazing stories of people who, who have come to God and had a powerful conversion and they seem to love Jesus so much more than me. But it's just really hard. And I've just tried and it's just really hard. And it's not because when you set off you thought, I know, I'd like to get lost today. You even might have prepared like I did with the sat-nav. But something has happened. Maybe it was a choice. Maybe it just was a situation. And you've been taken off track. And God says, not in an aggressive way, but in a loving way, come back. Come back and know that I love you just as much. And I have a purpose for you. And I have a destiny for you. And you are of great, great value. And some people, maybe this is your first time in church or you're still processing what it means to be a Christian. And that's really a a great place to be because God says, I love you today. God is so good. God loves us. He forgives us. He celebrates with us, but he changes us. And that story of the lost son, it's such a famous story. But at the beginning of that story, the father loves the son both sons equally. And those two sons live two different lives. One stays and lives with his father and works and works and works. And they love each other. Maybe they don't express it in that way. But there's a love there. There's a commitment there in that group. The other son chooses a life completely, completely as far removed as this life. And do you know what? The father loves him just as much. But when he comes back, imagine how hard it must have been for him to come back. And there's stuff around Jewish culture that we haven't got time to look at today where that father, that's why the father ran before the other people in the community could stop and say, how dare you come back? You are disowned. You are disinherited. That's why the father ran at the end of that story before anyone else could stop that son coming back to him. And that's why there's the robe and and the celebration. There's so much wealth of culture that we don't have time to look into it. But the bottom line is that, that the father in that story loved his sons at the beginning and loved them at the end. But they needed forgiveness because they'd made bad choices, whether that be in their heart, physically or in their mind. And the father embraced them and forgave them. And after all of that, it's only then that they started to change. One of the things that we talk about in YFC a lot is that in church, we want people to behave. But actually, they need to believe. But actually, we need to feel as if we belong. And when we belong, that's when we start the process of believing and working out what we believe. And only then do we behave. So this year and these coming years, as people start to come to church here and at the Good Loaf, let's remember that, that those people need to feel as if they belong. 
And perhaps their behavior might not be quite the same as we're used to. But let's love them like Jesus loves them. Let's make them feel like they belong. So that then they can work out what they believe. And then hopefully we'll all start to behave a little bit better. We're going to watch a short video. Then we're going to pray. And I think we're going to have a little bit of worship as well. Just to finish. Thanks. Remember that God loves you and that you're of great value. And if you don't feel as if you're of great value today, then let's pray for you. And if you feel as if you're lost, let's pray for you today. Thank you.